Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about... Spiritual attacks. It is. So I've got three separate stories, all about spiritual attacks. And these stories are interesting because they have also based movies on all three of them. But I do want to give a slight trigger warning for probably all of them, but in particular the second story because they're... As always, it is nothing explicit, but we do mention sexual assault in the second story. Okay, but first of all, we've got a review to read out. Amazing podcast. Absolutely brilliant. This podcast, keep up the amazing work. My favourite episode was The Mirrors. I had to tell my mum to move the mirror out my bedroom after I heard that from Theo Agenite. Aw. <laughs> Hi, Theo. Thanks so much for your review. It's lovely. And sorry about the mirrors, but I know how you feel because every time I walk past them now and it's night time, yeah, as apparently out. like if apparently if you like put two mirrors like in front of each other on a wall facing each other, it's supposed to like release like a demon or something Create like that. a portal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the Whispering Woods. Um, we have three separate tiers on there. One's just like a tip. And then we have a £3 tier where you can listen ad-free. And then a £5 tier where you get an extra mini episode every week. Right. Are you ready for the first story? Yes, I am. This is the story of the Vajekas case. 
one of the most famous cases of paranormal activity in Spain, and the first one to be officially documented by the police. The Netflix movie, Veronica, directed by Paco Plaza, is loosely inspired by this case, but it differs greatly from the actual events. The case revolves around Estefani Gutierrez Lazaro, a Madrid teen who lived with her family in an apartment on Louis Marin Street 8 in the Vajecas neighbourhood. Her grandfather, who died a few months before the case began, was a Nazi sympathiser and had a stash of Nazi and occult items. He had whispered a curse to Estefania on his deathbed, saying, If I cannot harm you in this life, I will do it in the next one. Estefania had a fascination with the occult and wanted to contact the spirit of her friend's boyfriend, David, who had died in a motorcycle accident. In March 1990, she and two friends used a cardboard Ouija board and a glass as a planchette at school. A nun caught them and smashed the board. The girls claimed that smoke emerged from the glass and Estefania breathed it in. After that, Estefania's health and behaviour deteriorated. She suffered from insomnia, hallucinations and seizures. She said she saw strange figures without faces, wearing cloaks, who wanted to take her away. Her parents took her to several hospitals, but no one could diagnose her. On July the 13th, 1991, she had a violent episode and attacked her sister, Marianella, who collapsed with foam in her mouth. The next day, Estefania had a severe cataleptic attack and was rushed to the hospital in a coma. She died that night. The autopsy report stated, sudden and suspicious death, without giving any clear calls. The paranormal phenomena did not stop with Estefania's death. The Gutierrez family experienced more terrifying events in their home. The mother heard Estefania's voice calling her from different rooms and an old man's laughter through the walls. <laughs> Glasses broke for no reason. Objects moved. Doors opened and closed by themselves. One night, the mother felt someone touching her hands and feet while she slept. Another night, the younger daughters woke up terrified, with their wrists being slammed against the wall. On November the 27th, 1993, two years after Estefania's death, her communion photo on the living room wall caught fire, and only her face was burned, while the rest of the picture and the surrounding objects were intact. That same night, the family called the police for help. Inspector Jose Negri and his colleagues arrived at the scene and saw the terrified family waiting outside in the rain. Some of the officers stayed with them and listened to their story, 
while Inspector Negri and two others entered the apartment. What they saw inside became a legend among paranormal enthusiasts. The inspector's report described a closet door that suddenly swung open with great force, almost hitting them in the face, even though it was locked moments before. It also mentioned loud bangs coming from the balcony and blood dripping from a poster of Estefania that was hanging above a bedside table. The most shocking detail was a crucifix that was found on the floor, torn from the wooden board it was attached to. On the wall where it hung, there were three claw marks, as if something had ripped it off. The officers also inspected the bathroom, which the family said was the most haunted room in the house, and they felt an unusual coldness. They quickly left the apartment, realising they couldn't do anything. The police report was classified as situation unknown and was signed by six police officers. It was leaked to the press by an anonymous source and it caused a sensation among the public and media. The Gutierrez family sought help from a psychic named Maximilla Liano Vera, who claimed to have exercised the apartment and freed Estefania's soul from the evil forces. The family sold their house and moved to another apartment in the same neighbourhood, not far from their old one, and they still live there to this day. The new owners never reported any strange occurrences, and the case is one of the most famous cases of paranormal activity in Spain. It was witnessed by national police officers who were not easily impressed or influenced by the rumours about the apartment and they have no knowledge of what happened there before. That's All three of these stories are creepy, really creepy. Um, and that's, all of them are really also equally, they're really sad. Yeah. And that poor girl, let that be a warning about Ouija boards, as we know, I'd never yeah, do one. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, innit? Yeah. That's right, if you're thinking about doing one, don't, innit? I think even if, even if you don't believe there's any truth in it, I think it can have such a negative effect on you and um, like yeah. have a n- nocebo effect. It's like a karma curse, I guess. Yeah. And if you, if you really believe in all of that stuff, or even if you just kind of, oh, you know, something happens and then your mind starts working overtime, I think it can really have a detrimental effect, which yeah. is why I won't mess with it. Yeah. yeah. Right, are you ready for the second story? Yes, I am. This is the story of Doris Bither, a single mother of four, who claimed to have been sexually assaulted by a trio of evil entities in her home in Culver City, California. Her case, which was investigated by paranormal researchers Dr. Barry Taft, and Kerry Gaynor inspired the 1982 horror film The Entity. Still, the actual events were much more disturbing and terrifying than the movie. Doris Bither had a troubled life marked by abuse, trauma 
depression and alcoholism. She had four children from different fathers, a girl, six years old, and three boys, 10, 13, and 16 years old, who often witnessed her violent outbursts and erratic behaviour. In 1974, Doris met Dr. Taff and Gaynor at a bookstore, where they were talking about ghosts. She invited them to her house, saying that it was haunted. She didn't reveal the full extent of her ordeal until they arrived. She stated then that she'd been repeatedly raped by three invisible beings. The smaller ones would pin her down, while the larger one would violate her. Her eldest son had tried to help her once, but he was thrown across the room and broke his arm. The investigators were stunned by this claim of spectral rape, which they had never heard of before. They saw bruises on Doris's body and legs and confirmed with her neighbours that they had also noticed strange things in the house. The investigators decided to conduct a thorough investigation and brought their equipment and team to document the events. They asked Doris to provoke the entities by cursing and yelling at them. As she did, lights flickered around the room. She continued to insult them and a green mist appeared from a corner, forming the upper torso of a muscular man. The investigators managed to snap a photo of a curved line of light above Doris as she lay on her bed. They also interviewed the family and discovered that the entities reacted to music like Black Sabbath songs. The investigators considered various possible explanations for the phenomena, such as poltergeist activity, psychokinesis, or multiple personality disorder. They also subjected Doris to psychological tests, which showed that she had a high level of creativity and intelligence, but also signs of emotional instability and disassociation. They tried to help Doris by bringing a medium, a priest and a psychiatrist to the house, but none of them could stop the attacks. The investigators concluded that the family's emotional turmoil fed the entity's strength, but they also noticed that the paranormal activity was more intense when Doris was present. Doris claimed that the entities followed her and her family wherever they moved. She also claimed that she became pregnant from the rapes, but the doctors diagnosed her with a tubal pregnancy. Doris faded from the public eye after the late 80s. Her son revealed in a 2009 interview that she died of respiratory failure in 1995. The events in their house in Culver City scarred Doris Bither's children for life. They saw their mother being assaulted and raped by three invisible forces and they also felt their presence and power. They gave a name to the most visible one, Mr. Who's It? Brian Harris, Doris's son, recalled that the children were traumatised by the events 
and suffered from nightmares, anxiety and depression. They were also bullied and mocked at school and they had to move several times to get away from the entities. His mother tried to protect them but she was also battling her own demons. Over time, he and his siblings lost touch with each other and their mother. Taffy, Doris's daughter, was only six years old when the events occurred. She said that she had erased most of her memories of the house and only remembered being scared and confused. Taffy had longed for a normal childhood. She had trouble trusting people and forming relationships and had a lot of anger and resentment towards her mother. She tried forgiving her mother, but never understood why she abandoned them. Doris's children did not get any professional help or support to cope with the events. They had to depend on their own resilience and strength to survive and move on with their lives. They also had to face the stigma and scepticism that their story generated but they hoped by sharing their story they could help others who had similar experiences and they could find some closure and peace. Another really sad, interesting case. Um, I've watched the film. I watched the film when I was about 16 or so and I've also read the book, which I would recommend. It's a really good book, but really scary. Yeah. And it's just sad, you know, that the whole family... I mean, there were other issues there, like alcoholism and things like that. So, but the family invariably was torn apart by everything that happened, which is always really sad. Okay, are you ready for the third and final story? Yes, I am. The tragic case of Annalise McKell inspired the 2005 movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Annalise was a young German woman who died in 1976 at the age of 23 after suffering from a severe form of epilepsy and believing that she was possessed by demons. Annalise grew up in a devout Catholic family in Bavaria, West Germany, in the 1960s. She was a faithful churchgoer and diligent student. When Annalise was 16, she had a strange episode at school where she lost consciousness and wandered around in a daze. Annalise had no memory of what happened, but her friends and family witnessed her acting like she was in a trance. A year later, another similar incident occurred, where Annalise woke up in a trance and wet her bed. She also began having violent convulsions that shook her whole body. Many people around her suspected that she was under the influence of a demon. Annalise's life turned into a nightmare. She died on July the 1st, 1976, after undergoing 67 exorcisms in 10 months with the bishop's approval. She had been diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy, a brain disorder that can cause seizures, memory loss, and hallucinations. This disorder can also trigger Getschwin syndrome, a condition that makes people overly religious. Annalise took medication and enrolled in the University of Würzburg in 1973, 
but her medication did not help her, and her symptoms worsened over time. She continued to take her pills, but she also felt that she was controlled by a demon and that she needed another way to heal herself. Annalise claimed that she would see the devil's face everywhere and heard demonic voices in her ears. Annalise was convinced that she was possessed by the devil and the voices told her that she was damned and would rot in hell while she was praying. Annalise and her family requested priests to perform an exorcism on her, but none of the priests agreed to do it. They advised her to seek medical help and said they required the bishop's permission anyway. Annalise's hallucinations became very intense by then. She thought she was controlled by a demon and her behaviour was very bizarre. She stripped off her clothes, did hundreds of squats every day, hid under a table and barked like a dog for two days. She also ate spiders and coal, bit off a bird's head and drank her own urine from the floor. She and her mother eventually met a priest, Ernest Alt, who agreed that she was possessed. He said in court documents that she didn't look like an epileptic. Annalise Mikkel wrote a letter to Alt saying, I am worthless. Everything about me is meaningless. How can I change? I need to get better. You pray for me. And also told him, I want to suffer pain for others, but this is so hard. Alt asked the local bishop, Bishop Joseph Dangle, to allow an exorcism. He finally agreed and gave a local priest, Arnold Rents, the authority to do it but he ordered that it be done in total secrecy. Annalise believed she was possessed by six demons, Lucifer, Cain, Judas Iscariot, Adolf Hitler, Nero and Fleischmann, a disgraced priest. The exorcisms lasted for four hours each and the young woman revealed the names of the demons that haunted her. They would fight for control of Annalise's body and speak from her mouth with a low voice. Hitler said, People are stupid as pigs. They don't know what happens after death. It goes on. And Judas called Hitler, A big mouth, who had no power in hell. Annalise frequently expressed her desire to sacrifice her life, the wayward youth of her time, and the apostate priests of the contemporary church. Her incessant praying on her knees injured her joints, fracturing the bones and ripping the ligaments. For ten months, the priests bound her frequently to conduct the exorcism ceremonies. She slowly lost her hunger and she eventually died of malnutrition and dehydration. She was barely 23 years old. The case of Annalise Miguel, who died after undergoing an exorcism, sparked a huge public interest in Germany. Her parents and the two priests who performed the ritual faced charges of causing her death by negligence. They defended themselves in court by playing a tape of the exorcism. The court convicted the two priests of causing death by carelessness and gave them a six-month prison term, which was later waived, and a three-year probation period. 
the parents didn't receive any penalty as the court considered that they had endured enough suffering, which is a factor in German sentencing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, of course, we couldn't do an episode like this without including this story of Annalise, which also the movie is brilliant. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. But another devastating story you know what did it go either way because it could have been like obviously mental health issues but she could truly have been possessed because i do believe like we've said before i do believe in demons i don't believe in them in a biblical sense but i do believe that there are entities out there who will prey on people if they're feeling mentally vulnerable now whether that's just me because of my experiences with mental health issues and um, a beast. (laughs) I don't know. But but three really sad stories. And I will have some more of these stories for the extra. So they're all based on movies. Let me know what you think of these stories. If you want to have a watch along one night, we can all sit around and watch along in the entity or something. Just let us know. And if you'd like to have your story read on our listener episode, you can email the Whispering Woods podcast at gmail.com. I forgot, my brain is so tired. I really didn't sleep well last night. It's the menopause and like every, it's gotten so much better and now I'm just going to witter on and moan because I'm nearly 50 and that's what happens. So I'll just stop it there, all right? (laughs) Well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed and we'll catch up with you again soon. Yeah, that was all a bit disjointed because we've gone out of like the normal way we do things. But Mm. yeah, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.